It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. From baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> you would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We have a very special interview for you here on A's Cast. Kim Ng, a longtime executive for the New York Yankees, made history when Derek Jeter made her the first female GM in the history of Major League Baseball. She's in town with the Miami Marlins, and she joined our own Jessica Kleinschmidt. Jessica Kleinschmidt here with Marlins GM Kim Ng. Kim, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much. You know, it's really cool when these two teams get together. There's a lot of similarities. There's younger guys. and in, I mean, you see the record, everything like that. From your point of view, what's the goal right now? You know, we know it's not going to head to the postseason necessarily with the record. So what's your goal as a GM, GM at this point of the season? Right. Right now we have um, a number of, a good number of young players up here. I think it's to give them a taste of the big leagues, to have an understanding of, you know, what it is they're striving for. I think it's to get them experience in what they're going to face in the future. Um, I think all of that is great information for them to have. And, you know, regardless of whether they're back up here next year, um, they know what they need to work on. So, you know, that, that's definitely one aspect of it. You know, I think, um, you know, for, for us in the front office, it's also to get a good look at them and see how they react to, you know, much better, much better pitching, much better hitting. Um, you know, and see see what their reactions are as well. And you're, you're mentioning, you know, it's kind of a season of opportunity. And so when you're evaluating them from the minor leagues, because of where you're at, is, is are numbers a huge factor? I know if you're a PCL pitcher, maybe the ERA isn't a big deal, but are numbers a big factor? Or is it mainly just seeing if they're physically ready for the, for the bigs? No, I think performance is always going to play into it. I think, you know, how they go about their business is always going to play into it. Um, you know, in addition to seeing whether they're physically ready, I do think that there's a mental toll um, you know, that, that the big leagues takes on young players, and I think it's seeing how they react, um, you know, again, to that, to that much higher level of competition, um, you know, seeing how they react. So, uh, you know, it's a lot of that. I talked to David Forst about you yesterday, and he said that you guys have had a relationship for a while back to the Dodger days. And he said building the relationships is actually a huge part of the gig itself. How do you just start that relationship from the beginning? You know, I think it's um, I think it's finding commonalities, and we have a lot of I think we have a, a good number of common friends um, throughout the game. And then I think it's you know just just talking about. You know, even issues outside of um, the game itself on the field, you know, whether that's hiring staff, whether it's, you know, processes. And so, you know, again, David, David and I have known each other for a good number of years, and I think it's all those things combined. Take me back to the day you got the actual gig itself. 
What were you so excited to hit the ground running and your main goal? Oh, the day I got the job. I think the day I got the job, I was just, um, you know, fairly overwhelmed. You know, and I think that's when you see, um, you, you come to the realization that a lot of your hard work um, has finally um, come to fruition. Um, so I think once I got through the press conference and sort of those um, superficial items, um, you know, the, the, the main thing was getting to know the club, mm-hmm. um, getting to know the staff, and you know what, the, and the history of how the club came to be constructed and what the ideas were behind it and what we had coming in the pipeline. Um, I think one, one item that you know, some executives have made mistakes on in the past is just assuming that they know everything and um you know being a little bit uh you know arrogant about what they know and so i think you know my take on it and and what i tried to do was just to really listen quite a bit you know ask a lot of questions and listen to 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 the work that had been done were you able to just take a few moments and kind of let it sit in because it's been a kind of a long time coming uh, you mean the day that I, mm-hmm. yeah, so, um, yeah, the day that I got it, I mean, I think that was, that was um, a lot of the day, and, and I think a lot of reflection, um, you know, and, and memories of, you know, hard times, um, but, you know, I think it was one of those, um, you know, you don't get too many moments like that in your life, where there's you know, something you think you've worked so hard for, just you know, like I said, comes to fruition. Um, you know, and I've, I've just been so incredibly fortunate in my career to have experienced it at least once. And you mentioned it coming to fruition. I feel like over the years, you know, I've seen you almost got some jobs, almost there, almost there. Why didn't you just kind of say, screw it and give up? And what kind of kept you going? I did, several times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, but, but you get back up on the horse. I mean, like, you know... Well, you're just going to do quit. And yeah. it's just not, that's not an option, right? So um, you just get back at it, you know, and, and this was, you know, this industry is what I love and the game I love. And so you just, you know, you just dust yourself off. Well, you know, same as what we tell these guys mm-hmm. when they get sent down. You just dust yourself off, take a little time and, and get back at it. We had a familiar face, Jesus Lazardo, out here yesterday. He got his own scrum, and rightfully so. And yesterday, you told me you're a firm believer in change of scenery, but definitely a firm believer in left-handed pitching. Can you just talk to me about how what intrigued you about him before that transaction brings Starling Marte over here? Well, this is you know this was just a, a great young arm, um, yeah, that we had seen from afar. Um, had a number of scouts see him, you know, read the reports, talked to the scouts about him. You know, looked at some of his numbers, um, you know, clearly you know, had a good career, uh, but was, was hitting some bumps in the road, um, you know, and, and we are the beneficiary of those bumps. You know, I'm not sure if he was doing what he's doing right now that Oakland would have let go of him, um, even for Starling Marte, um, you know, but, but um, just a tremendous talent, you know, and, and he's obviously shown this year what he is capable of doing. And I, I was going to kind of follow up with that. What have you been impressed with with him this time around? You know, I, this year, what what I'm impressed by is um, the composure and the poise. And, and you, know, you could tell last year when he came to us, he wasn't quite comfortable. 
um, but I think he did a lot of work this offseason um, and you know I think you know for him coming home you know might have had something to do with it last year um, you know, a lot of pressure a lot of eyeballs on you um, from friends and family you know but but what I see now is a really confident um, com- composed uh, you know talent that just it's after it and he's aggressive and he attacks the zone and he uses you know he's got great secondary stuff and and you know the, the fastball has um you know the command of his fastball has just improved so much from what we saw last year so um he's clearly settled in um he's confident and he's just he's just attacking which i love i'm glad you mentioned that kind of felt like he it was just a little bit more mature addressing us yesterday and i loved his fastball it had a lot of movement but i'm glad he took care of the the command and and going back to all your experience the years are involved i mean you've seen a lot of facets of the game what you know can you compare to when you first got started to what's going on now out on the field as far as some of those differences from when you started you know, I think, um, you know, the game has changed some, um, but I do think, you know, the foundational elements are all there. And I think, you know, clubs have different ways of, of looking at the game, playing the game, um, you know, but when you boil right, you know, when you get right down to it, I mean, the guys still have to hit the ball and yeah. pitch the ball yeah. and, and catch the ball. So, um, you know, I think at its foundational level, the game is still the same and, and um you know, we just we just have to find a way to get it done. What's been your favorite aspect of the job so far? Does it kind of come as advertised, or were there some surprises along the way? You know, I, I worked for four first-time GMs. So I saw a lot of issues that they went through. And, you know, what's been really helpful to me is when I've gone through them, you know, when situations have arisen, um, like I had seen you know, years ago with, with my former bosses, I at least recognize them. Right? And, I, and I go back to what they did or they didn't do in order to address it. Um, you know, combine that with my personality and my style. Um, you know, and, and just try and get it back on track. Um, so I can't say there have been a lot of surprises with regards to the job. Um, you know, then again, I think that, you know, my learning curve is a little bit shorter just because of all the experience I've had. And you mentioned, you know, your personality and your style. Do you think it differs from a lot of GMs or front office roles? I don't think so. I think what differs is people's perception of me because I am a woman. Um, you know, and, and what I am willing to do or not to do, and you know, and how I approach things. But you know, um, you know, I, I measure and I watch and I try and time things, um, you know, so that I get the best possible result in the least amount of time. I love that. You know, being a woman, you mentioned that we have to do something always kind of a little bit extra. There's always something a little bit more we have to do to prove ourselves. What are some of the things that you've noticed that you personally as a woman had to do that maybe a a male GM wouldn't have to? Well, um, you know, I I, I guess I wouldn't uh, just close it off to being a general manager, but Mm -hmm. I think just in general being a woman in the business, um, I think you have to be more willing to listen 
in order to gain respect, if that makes sense. Not talking, just listening. Right. Yeah. Listening. Um, I think guys can get away with not listening more. Um, you know, and they're always sort of given the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, and I mean, I, I say that, but that's not really my personality anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always going to try and listen. Um, so, I, you know, I, I do think it's different. Um, and sometimes, in a lot of cases, it is extra. But, you know, until we get, until we get more and until it's not such a novelty, um, it's just the way we're going to have to approach it. My last one before I let you go, you mentioned the novelty of it. It's awesome. You were the first in many aspects. Has it died down a little bit to where you feel like you can just finally just do your job? It has died down. Um, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am always surprised, though, when it bubbles up again. Yeah. Um, you know, there are different points during the year. But I think, you know, as, as we go and as time moves on, um, it'll die down even more. But, but it has gotten a little bit slower, which has been great. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you. That was Kim Eng, Marlin's general manager, finishing up. And this is Jessica Kleinschmidt. We'll see you next time. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.